welcome to Random Chatter's newest podcast, Movie Rampage. I'm your host, Tim, and joining me are my co-hosts, Liz. Hi! And Jonas. How we doing, everybody? How are you guys? We're good. I'm good. I, well, I spoke for Jonas. I apologize. Jonas, are you good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to speak for you. My bad. <laughs> well, I'm really excited that we uh, were able to finally all get together here. Yay! Um, some of our listeners are probably going to be familiar that we did a beta episode of Movie Rampage where we cover the new Wonder Woman film. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that beta went out to our Random Chatter Network Patreon donors. So it's kind of a little bit of a perk to them. We got some great feedback for them because it was our beta. It was a little rough, but all in all, it went pretty well. Uh, but this one is our first official episode, and it is going out to the world. The world! The world. First up, Patreon. Next up, the world. <laughs> so for those of you who are new to Movie Rampage... I want to tell you a little bit about us. Uh, we are a film discussion podcast, but it's kind of more than just movie reviews. One episode might focus on a single film. Another one might focus on a genre or a series or a franchise or films that are done by a certain actor or director. Uh, we kind of could go anywhere. It depends on kind of whatever we think about and whatever comes up. Uh, our hosts are going to be going through things in a lot of detail. We're going to dissect, we're going to analyze, we're going to compare and contrast. We're going to throw in some facts and figures, different perspectives, opinions, recommendations. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things from different perspectives. Fair warning with this, we are covering films in depth. And in, or in order to do so, there's going to be some spoilers. We kind of can't avoid that. I, I think that if we are going to talk about things in detail and give a fair review, we kind of have to talk about the movie. So we're not going to pull any punches here, and we are going to jump in. So we kind of put this perpetual spoiler warning blanket over all of Movie Rampage to keep us nice and cozy and assured that there will be spoilers. So many spoilers. Exactly. All the spoilers. So <laughs> we'll be covering a lot of movies that are new to the box office. So, like, we covered Wonder Woman, and this this show is also going to be a new film. But we're also looking forward to discussing some older films, too. And I think that'll be a lot of fun uh, once in a while if we happen to have a slow few weeks in the box office from some new blockbuster films. We'll jump back in a time machine that uh, actually Jonas is really familiar with, time travel stuff. I am. And we're <laughs> going to talk about something else. Also, fair warning here. Uh, well, we're generally going to keep our discussion tame, uh, we may venture into some PG-13 language. We are adults. We're talking about movies that will uh, probably range uh, PG to R. There might be a G-rated movie in there once in a while, I guess. But We probably won't drop heavy language if we're talking about a G-rated movie. Yeah, probably not. I'll <laughs> try to refrain, um, but I can't speak for Liz. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't speak for Liz on that one. No. But we kind of figure our our language is going to match the rating of the film-ish. You know, if you have a movie with Samuel L. Jackson in it, well, chances are There's Samuel L. Jackson isn't pulling any punches, and we probably won't either. Not that we're going to drop a, a litany of F-bombs or anything, but... Um, just yeah, a sprinkling. Kind of, yeah, just a sprinkling. Of, a sprinkling. Just a, a little, just a light... Summer sprinkling. A smattering, if you will. If you will. <laughs> exactly. 
So welcome everyone to Movie Rampage, and the focus of this episode, episode one, is Spider-Man Homecoming. Yay! See, I can always count on Liz for that yay. I, I just really relinquish it to her, so she loves it too much. All right, so getting into it. Liz, what can you tell us about Spider-Man Homecoming? All right, Spider-Man Homecoming is a um, it's a romantic comedy set in the future. Uh, there's time travel. Just kidding. It's not about that. It's a superhero movie. Um, what? It is. I know. Shocking, right? <laughs> this is sort of a big deal because it's marking a huge collaboration between Sony and Marvel. And um, up until now, Sony's really held on tight to the Spider-Man reigns. They went off and did Amazing Spider-Man with uh, Andrew Garfield and was planning on doing a Sinister Six, all kinds of different things, but that did not work out for them. So they decided the best thing to do would be to collab with Marvel. And they were right. Because this movie is awesome. So we're, so we're seeing a major collaboration between two giant, um, production companies. Um, worth noting that Sony is still going through with their Venom spinoff, which is not an official part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, movie slate. There will be a Homecoming 2. Spider-Man's gonna show up in Infinity War and maybe some other crossovers that we don't know about yet, but, um, Sony is planning on going forward with their own take on it, so who knows how that's going to play out. Um, Cast-wise, we've got Tom Holland leading us off as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man himself. He hasn't really been in a lot before this. He was in The Lost City of Z and in The Heart of the Sea, which is that Moby Dick one. Um, and a couple other things, but nothing really big. This is sort of his giant uh, well, Spider-Man, because so he debuted in... Captain America Civil War, and now he's over here in Homecoming. So this is kind of his big moment. Um, and he, mm-hmm. what did you guys think of him? I thought he was great. I really did. I, I think he became my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah. I think when I saw it in the theater, I mean, I think growing up, you had this conception of Spider-Man as kind of the the nerdiest of all superheroes, just because yeah. of his nature. But he also has that that fun, um, that quip that he would always do with every single villain. And it, it really shone through, I thought, for him. I thought it was just a yeah. – per- I mean, you have perfect matches with certain characters. I think when you have um, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, when you have um, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, you've hit the nail on the head. And I think this was just another one that really drove it home. Yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah, I agree. So he's their youngest Spider-Man that we've seen. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are significantly older than him. Um, but I think that really plays in his favor. I actually, I love the Tobey era because it was one of my, it's one of my favorite, um, Spider-Man movies just because it was early on one of the first ones, you know, like before everybody was making them. So, yes, but this is, this is quintessential Spider-Man. So it really blew that away for me. Second up, we've got Zendaya, who is very well known in the Disney Channel circuit. She was on Shake It Up and on Casey Undercover, and then she also did a stint on Dancing with the Stars. She plays a character called that we know as Michelle throughout the whole of the movie till the end when they bum 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 call her MJ. Yeah, <laughs> which is really interesting. What did you guys think about that? That part really just kind of made me like jaw drop a little bit, and I went, "Oh, what?" You couldn't. Yeah. Like, way to keep that one under wraps. I actually 100% thought that going in. 
And oh, did I, you? you really? Yeah, one hundred percent. But I was like, "Why are they calling her Michelle?" <laughs> like that's yeah. Weird. I, I think when you start getting well-known actors enough in certain spots, you kind of see them off stage, just waiting for that big role. And that that yeah. So for 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 that point, I definitely give that to you because you knew that she wasn't just some sort of weird secondary character. You know, yeah, because more. she's a heavy hitter right now. So I was like, "There's no way she's like." <laughs> anything other than MJ if if they're going to go that direction I was like well maybe they won't but I didn't think that they wouldn't and it would be wonderful yeah. to have her be MJ so I was like she has to be so I didn't well, find I that very so surprising too. yeah I, I think that there will be some of the purists and it's interesting I mean obviously it's it's been out for a few weeks now and I really haven't seen a lot of folks opposed to it but I'm sure there are some comic purists out there who are saying Nope, MJ is Mary Jane, and this is who it has to be. It's not some chick named Michelle. And uh, you know what? I, I, for the most part, the MCU films have been a reflection of stuff in the comics, but mm-hmm. they have taken their own path. Yeah. And I like that they do that, and I think this is a great twist. It's a wonderful characterization, and I'm totally all for it. Yeah, me too. I guess the only thing is I wish she was going to be, like, original MJ a little bit. You know, because, I mean, I understand changing it, but I think it's almost more powerful to recast the vision of what MJ looks like, too, um, in, the, in the iteration of that character. But but I'm okay with this, and I really like her, so I really – I don't – I'm fine with it. I, I was really curious what you were going to do because I know in the last episode, I know the Patreons can – call it back but you were talking about how you can't have a redheaded you know lois yeah and, no and I'm then this super came up specific i was like about oh. that you know, that yeah. that one that one you have to be specific on but but when well, it's marvel stuff you're like nah, i can i can learn to love it i know that that rankles you too <laughs> it really does i just every time i can get one tiny shot in i'm going to try i know you should but i don't know why this one didn't bother me maybe it was because they are changing the character into being something different um and so it's a different it's not mary jane so it's okay i don't know i don't know yeah. I, I don't know i can't stand that lois so i can't explain <laughs> I, it well oh. and, and not only is this mj a departure from the the physical attribution with Zendaya being a woman of color. Right. But they've also completely changed the characterization. Right. They made Michelle very much an introvert, a um, little edgy. Um, snarky. She's just kind of... Yeah, she's so yeah, snarky. <laughs> very, very different from the Mary Jane that we are traditionally used to from the Spider-Man comics and from other characterizations. So... They really just kind of stood this character on her head and are doing something completely different. And I think it's cool. I think it's very creative. And I would like to think that that is the influence of Marvel pushing Sony and saying, you need to do something different if you want to make some money. Right. Yeah. You can't just keep recycling the same stuff over and over. Let's do something different. Well, Marvel's been begging to have this character back in at at back at home, which is why Homecoming is also an appropriate name for this movie. Um, so I think you're right. I think I think Marvel just really has a sense for the uh, the like comic book audience, and so it, who better to represent Spider Man? So I will say I really do like the like girl next door aspect of 
it's sort of like it's the Lois Clark Superman like Mary Jane Peter Spider Man thing. And mm-hmm. I I will tell you, Jonas, that if they don't have any of that, I'll be annoyed because I really enjoyed that. And that is one of the things I really dislike about Man of Steel, not to go on a tangent. But I really like that about Spider Man. I think there's a I think there's so much interesting things in a love triangle between just two people. Like that's so interesting to me. So I don't sure. know. I'm a, I'm open to it, but I will be sad if they don't do a little bit of that. But I, you know, at this point, it's like like Tim was saying, it's very different. So we're sort of off the map and made. So I'm I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, and and if, if there's one thing I would say about it, I I do like when they take creative liberties and differing things up as far as certain characterizations. I mean, we're going to see it with Aquaman coming up because Aquaman and everything else is a white blonde guy and now you have Jason right. Momoa playing him who is this yep. major upgrade <laughs> ma- is a definite upgrade for people who didn't like Aquaman for sure but when they do things like this I think it's definitely putting that nice line in the sand telling people hey this is a movie adaptation we can't dive into everything in the comic book so this will set your mind at ease kind of kind of scenario which is mm-hmm. why I they do things like that. I think that's why they make costumes differently as far as like Superman's not wearing spandex. Now he's wearing something from his home planet. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy when they sort of like differentiate it feels like you can be a part of, you can really appreciate and love the comics for what they are and then really accept something brand new and like it for what it is. You know, it's like, a, it's like how books are different from the movie versions of the books. Um, you can love and appreciate both. Sometimes that doesn't work out, but I think for this movie, it really does. Um, a couple, a couple of the player, like, uh, side characters, um, are Laura Harrier plays the character of Liz, who is Spider-Man's love interest. Um, she did got, a great job. Yeah, she was really terrific she was, actress. She was lovely. I, I mean, yeah, I thought she was good. She's sort of like, I'm, spoiler alert, I'm really glad that she is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's great for like a one-off. Like she's great for this movie to get where they need to go. I mean, she may come back, but like, I was like, I don't, whatever. She's, I thought she was good, but I wasn't like, I want more of her. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mainly also she, because. She filled the role that she needed to and that character is now done. Right. And mainly when you start talking Zend- Zendaya's now MJ, like it's all over, like for me as far as shipping. <laughs> I don't care about Liz. I want it to be MJ. <laughs> like I'm over her. <laughs> so uh, she was lovely. It's not her fault. <laughs> no, it was just so the role she that she was in. Yeah. Then we've got Joe, uh, sorry, Jacob Batalon, who plays Ned, who's Spidey's best friend. And he was very funny. Oh my funny. gosh. <laughs> he was so he funny. Was- the rock star of this movie. He was... He was awesome. He sort of was us. Like, he was the audience. He asked all the yes. questions that we would ask if our best friend was Spider-Man, or if we were Spider-Man. You know, like, he was like, yeah. wait, what about this? What about that? What about that? <laughs> he is the best sidekick. I, I think he just did awesome. The, the The kid who played him is fantastic. The characterization was just so outstanding. Really, really funny. I loved every moment that he was in. It was, it was great. It yeah, was great. He was good. So he's only he was in one project before this movie. He's a Hawaiian actor who's been in one other project. Um, and so this is like a amazing for him. You know, like this is a great step for him. 
into the, you know, into the business and, um, huge, it's a great role. And he's sort of, I like, I like when there's a comic relief in a movie that's funny already. Like he adds so much to it cause it can be overkill, but he really like hit the right notes and was so funny. I loved him. Next, we have Donald Glover. Uh, you may have heard of Donald Glover. Anyone heard of Donald Glover? <laughs> the Childish Gambino? Mm, Donald Glover. Um, <laughs> he sort of played, I, I tweeted about it, and I was like, why are you going to use Donald Glover like that, like in five seconds? No. <laughs> but then I did my homework, and he plays a character called Aaron Davis, who is the mysterious uncle of an unknown character. I, I love Donald Glover in things, honestly. I think yeah. he's a, an amazing actor that has not even begun to really forge ahead in the things that he can accomplish. He had a series that I'm just dying to watch, and I, I haven't yet. But one of the things about his character in there, because it was another one of those Zendaya moments where I'm like, why would you have him play this weird side character right. on there? So looking into it, uh, there's a moment where I think his hand is spiderweb to his trunk and he mentions his nephew yeah go ahead in in the ultimate marvel universe version of there's a villain called the prowler and whose nephew is miles morales and he becomes the the second ultimate spider-man so that's just kind of like a little nod toward hey guess what could be in the future (laughs) this guy's nephew (laughs) And I think a lot of the outcry when Tom Holland was initially cast was like, why didn't you, why aren't we having Miles Morales now? You know, like what great diversity to add to the MCU. Why would, you know, like take away from, leave the Peter Parker story behind because we've seen it before. Like, you know, start onto something new. And Marvel's response was like, let us do, we want to do Peter Parker right. And then, you know, this, I think this was a great response to like, we're not not doing Miles Morales. We're, we want to handle Peter Parker. We've been dying to handle Peter Parker in our Marvel Cinematic Universe. But that doesn't mean we don't have plans for Miles, you know. So I thought that was awesome. I was uh, When I read that, I was like, okay, take it back. I, I have faith in my Marvel. Why did I ever doubt them? Right. Every time I doubt you. them, like I'm like, oh, no, no. Yeah, I keep learning that lesson over again. Um, okay, then we have um, John Favreau reprising his role as Happy, who I always love when he's in these movies because he's he brings yeah. so much to the character of Happy. He's so funny. Yeah, Happy is a great character. I love seeing him. Uh, I was surprised to see him in this movie. I didn't expect it. I didn't and, either. Uh, I, I kind of liked the role that he played in this. The yeah. babysitter. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess knowing that RDJ was going to be in it, um, which comes to our next point of Robert Downey Jr.'s, obviously, in this movie, um, it's one of, like, it's a huge crossover, MCU crossover. One of the biggest ones I think we've seen so far. We'll see in Thor, Ragnarok, we'll have the Bruce Thor crossover, but this is sort of like Mm -hmm. a giant two character, you know, uh, you know, you have Civil War, which has everybody, but this is sort of like two characters having. I was sort of, I, I think I was worried that Robert Downey Jr. would overshadow Spider-Man, given that he's Robert Downey Jr. and he's amazing at what he does, and Iron Man's the, like the quintessential jumping-off point for the MCU. But they mm-hmm. really hit the right note of him. I thought. Did you guys think it was the right amount of him, or too much of him, or? I think it was the right amount of of Iron Man and Tony Stark in this. He did what he had to do, kind of as a mentor for Peter. 
and Spider-Man, it was a great continuation of the story from Civil War. Yeah. And in fact, I loved how the film started off with Peter's reflection on Civil War. Like his whole little movie was so funny. Oh, it was fantastic. And it was and it was great because it was not only shots and scenes from Civil War, but then there were some things that happened like around it and just after it until it got into where we were essentially in, in present day in the movie. And uh, and I thought it was great. I, I thought the interactions were fantastic. They were not awkward at all. They seemed very, very natural for the two. And I think that we had this, you know, very appropriate intervention by Tony when it needed to happen. And even though Peter was kind of begging for more attention and more help, Tony came in when he needed to. Yeah. It was, it was like the perfect amount. Yeah. And one of the, one of the fun facts that I found out was that before Tony, they were actually going to have Nick, uh, Nick Fury actually play the role of his mentor, which could have taken an entirely different route, I think, because when you have Nick Fury, I mean, you have Samuel L. Jackson, you have somebody super intense. And I think that's what they're going to try and do with, the upgrades to his suit and that kind of thing and bring him into that, that Avenger aspect. Instead, sure. they, they diverted and they decided they were going to go with Tony, which I think is perfect because it's more of that style of humor that Spider-Man has, that, that yeah. certain quality that's kind of charismatic that also incorporates all of his technology and his way of taking it back and all that stuff. So I think it was a perfect choice. Yeah, I th- I'm yeah. glad they pivoted on that one because, I mean, not that it probably wouldn't have been great, but I just think that Robert Downey Jr. brought so much to who Tom Holland's Spider-Man is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, w- it would have been interesting. I mean, you know, Samuel Jackson plays a very um, a very straight-laced Nick Fury. Yeah, he So does. it would have been interesting to see, you know, teenager Tom Holland or teenager Peter Parker kind of trying to interact with a very stuffy kind of uptight former director of shield kind of director of shield i don't even remember exactly where he sits right now he's not the director of shield no he's still he's like ghosted like he's dead (laughs) but i feel like that would have been like more of a dad like a dad you know and this was like cool uncle (laughs) cool uncle robert downey jr coming in and like giving toys and and playing the like cool uncle part, um, yeah, yeah, which I appreciate more. I like that. And along with RDJ, we had the the tiny little um, pepperoni ship of Gwyneth Paltrow. <gasps> oh, thank God, because okay, let me just tell you. Okay, okay, guys, you know when I say okay, I'm holding my finger up like this. I'm like okay. <laughs> I'm gonna if pretend I can see you saying that. You can. You can visualize. I was so worried that they were going to try to do like an Aunt May RDJ ship because there's no Uncle Ben in this movie, and they really sort of brush over Uncle Ben and like move right past him. I'm, they might deal with that in the second one, or I don't know. Maybe they're just not dealing with Uncle Ben. But we don't need an origin story again. No, I don't think we need an origin story. I just thought they might mention him. Like, have like yeah. a mention or a picture of Uncle Ben and it was some... Like, I don't know, something. I'm okay yeah. with not, but I just thought maybe something. But I was gonna be so pissed if they were trying to get RDJ and, and Aunt May together, because in the, the last we saw, Pepper and Tony had broken up. Um... Right. And I was just not going to have that. I will tell you I was not going to have that. 
Um, I'm totally okay with Hot Aunt May. I'm okay with Hot Aunt May. I'm not okay with Hot Aunt May and Robert Downey Jr. getting together. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. It's pepperoni forever. That is the ship that sails. I I think that it would have been too much of a departure. I, I mean, I, I didn't mind the bit of flirting and some of the, you know, comments that, that Tony made about Hot Aunt May. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine you know, with that, that. that. That was fun. But uh, I while I'm glad that Pepper is back in the picture, I was actually really surprised. I thought that they had basically written her off. I thought that I was under the impression that Gwyneth Paltrow's contract was done. I same. did not know that she was coming back. Same, 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 same. I almost screamed in the theater. I was so happy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is the one, I mean, like I said, I was surprised that uh, Happy Hogan was, was in the film. Yeah. When I saw Pepper, I was totally floored. Because Shocked. I just did not expect to ever see her in a Marvel film again. I was, I thought we were done with her. And yeah, I was, I was, I was very happy that she's back. I'm because so Pepper happy. Because Pepper is that great counterpoint to Tony. And even though she's not a main character she grounds him so often well and Gwyneth so really like that they brought her back Gwyneth really made that character so good on screen too you know yeah. she just oh it's a perfect counterpart you're right to Tony and and then spoiler alert they he proposes and they get engaged sort of that's like where you think that it's going a little bit um but I just love that I was so excited about that now, I think you've been saving the best for last. I'm saving a couple for I'm getting there. We're, we're getting there. Which brings us to Aunt May, who is played by Marissa Tomei. Hot, um, hot Aunt May. Hot Aunt May. I'm hot so Aunt sorry. It's okay. the official title. She's Hot Aunt May. Yeah. So I didn't write her filmography down because it's too long to actually like go through. If you don't know who Marissa Tomei is, you may be living in a cave and not able to listen to this <laughs> podcast. So we're going to go ahead and bypass you. <laughs> um, when you emerge from the cave... Google Marissa Tomei. Um, she's been in the movie since yeah. the 80s, obviously. And um, she was actually in Only You in 1994 with Robert Downey Jr. So if you mm. haven't seen that movie, you definitely should. It's an adorable, adorable movie. Um, so definitely see that one. So I'm not going through her whole filmography. It's it's Marissa Tomei. She's like heavy yeah. hitter. She's no joke. So she's a great choice for Aunt May. What I will say is the way that they dressed her as, like, frumpy 70s jeans up to her boobs with giant glasses made me mad. I was like, how are you going to yeah. try to downplay Marissa Tomei's looks? Let her be hot Aunt May. I don't care if she's younger. You know? Exactly. Don't, like, that pissed me off. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. So that was the only... No, I, I, I completely agree. And it's not that they have to, like, sex her up. No. But, I mean, just make her... You know, her reasonably stylish, <laughs> averagely stylish. I mean, she she is Marissa Tomei, and and this is we've never seen a young Aunt May before, ever, right? In anything, right. so it's just this is another one of those great spins on characterization that we see, and I'm thrilled that they did it. Well, I think it was weird for them to go with a hot young Aunt May and then frump her up with the wardrobe. I was like, well, why did you hire her? Yeah. <laughs> that seems yeah. counterproductive. It doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, that part I didn't really dig, but whatever. It's a small point and I don't really, it's not that big of a deal. It just, I just thought that was a very strange choice to go with. <laughs> um, all right. So that's all for cast. <laughs> just kidding. Um, there's a, there's a small 
small breakout uh, star that you might have heard of, really, really making his name in the movie world. Uh, his He's name Batman. is Michael Keaton, and He's Batman. you Is may not Keaton? have heard of him. Keaton? Ke- Keaton. It's pronounced He's Batman. Keaton. Batman. Keaton. Batman. 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 And Batman. Beetlejuice. So many things. He's, He's all the, the things. Best Batman. He uh, he is my favorite Batman too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's my favorite Batman. Jonas, go ahead. <laughs> I'm. I, I can't really ig- ignore that because that was the first live action Batman that I I thought was the coolest. I mean, you had Adam West, but yeah. you know, Adam it's West was coolest. Adam West. He had his own Batman. This was like the Batman right. of my generation. So. Yeah, yeah. He's so I'll agree. Yeah, this I'll agree was with the that. first badass Batman. Badass yeah, was, Batman. He just really killed the character. Like I love Batman Returns because um, I love Catwoman and I love that whole iteration. So those two movies are like quintessential Batman movies for me, 100%. So to bring Keaton on as the villain in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is an epic choice by Marvel and Sony. I thought this was a perfect, 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 perfect casting. And and the fact that Marvel has had sort of a villain problem for a really long time. Like, they haven't hit a stride with, like, a really, besides Loki. Loki's really been the main villain that everybody's like, yeah, he's the best villain. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the other ones, well, Red Skull's good, but it's like you have to really think it through. This one is like, I like that he's not about the big issue of taking over the world like everybody else is. He is about his life. He's about, I I was hurt by the events of, events that the, of the Avengers, and I'm taking back my life, and this is the only way I can support my family, and yeah, I gotta break the law to do it. Yeah. And, and I think Michael Clayton really plays that, like, likable villain where you're like, but I love him, but he's horrible, but what? But I, uh. <laughs> it, it was such a great and compelling plot point that bridged this Sony side of things yeah. with the MCU. It, it wasn't just this, hey, we have Spider-Man, let's do something with him now. It really bridged it. it I, I thought it was a great storyline. I really liked what they did with Adrian Toomes, with, yeah. with the Vulture character. And how they evolved him from someone who was basically started off as someone who was kind of slighted as a cleanup contractor and wanted to take care of his employees and take care of his family. And it kind of became an obsession of his and it just kind of continued to grow. And then when someone, after a period of time, started interfering with what he was doing, the fanaticism of his obsession really started to show. Yeah. Which I really like the, I like when a villain has a journey to take, you know, villains aren't just one shade. They're not just bad or good. I mean, they're not just bad or, you know, anything like that. They have goodness in them. I mean, okay. And then another spoiler alert, the fact that he is Liz's dad was shocking. Was you you shocked by that? that? I was totally didn't expect that. I didn't either. When he came to the door, I went, Oh my God, he's there to, Get him, and then I went. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was sitting there in the theater, and he opens the door, and and there he is, and I just I said, "Holy shit!" Oh. I couldn't believe it. Omg. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't know. It took my brain two seconds to comprehend what was happening, and then I said, "Oh no, he's her dad." 
It was so good. What in the world is Peter going to do now? Because Peter knows who he is, but he doesn't know who Peter is. And then in the freaking car, he figures out who Peter is. And now I'm thinking the whole world is going to end. It was such (laughs) a great plot point. I loved it. I mean, that that car scene, like, was so good. And Michael Keaton just made that. They both did. Like, they both just really played off of each other so well. But, like, Michael Keaton is just such a badass. He's so good. I mean. Do you guys have, like, a knot in your stomach during the car thing? I I was like, this is what's happening. (laughs) I thought it was a good tension point because you you have this this, uh, dad daughter's date moment in there which is tense enough i mean i've been in that situation but you have that that and he's playing off of that plus he's playing off of who spider-man is which is a good guy so even though spider-man could just reach up there and end everything in like two seconds he knows he's not going to so he knows he has him in two different fronts and he's just hammering him so at that point i was just like oh god i feel so bad for you it's so good oh yeah yeah that was one of my I, favorite um, scenes, for are, sure. Are, are you guys not? Are you guys as thrilled as I am about this resurgence in Michael Keaton's career? Oh, so excited about that! I, I'm. I've always been a fan of Michael Keaton's work up till a certain point where he just kind of faded out for a while. But I'm. Yeah, I am glad that he's been coming back with Birdman and this. Yeah. And I mean, it's starting to become the age of Keaton all of a sudden. It can be the age of Keaton forever. He, and he plays flying things very well. He does. He likes he has Batman and Birdman and Vulture, and, and it, it all ties up. Very, it's, it is. It's an interesting typecast. It's really funny. <laughs> Batman, Birdman, and Vulture. You know, and it's certainly a huge departure from Mr. Mom, which, by the way, is one of my favorite Michael Keaton movies ever. That is it a great really movie. Is. That is a great that movie. movie. That's a staple um, of the eighties right there. But that shows yeah. his his like range of like his humor, his his ability to do action, his ability to be the bad guy, like oh he's just true. so good. Well and I one yeah, of my one of my true. favorite movies of his that was also just heart wrenching I don't know if you guys have seen My Life. No. Oh. I think I have, but a long time ago. I mean it's all about a guy who's has a son coming into the world and he's never gonna meet him, so he makes all these videos trying to teach him his yes. son things. And yes. it was, it's just one of those great movies that shows you how much range he has. That At that point, like he was a mainly comedy. cry movie. <laughs> it, 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 it will be. <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I recommend it to anybody who, who wants that, that experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. I might save it for when I need a good cry. <laughs> Cause. So here's the thing. We just spent a lot of time on casting characters but my gosh, that shows, first of all, the cast in this film is absolutely outstanding. So good. Second of all, it's the cast that drives so much of this film and the characters that they play. Yeah. So I think that's just a huge testament to Marvel and Sony just going all out on this. I, I thought they just did incredibly well. I was so surprised with it. Yeah, it's really the power of two two giant mega house studios coming together and utilizing what they do best. Because I was thinking about when we're talking about villains. It's like if you look back at the Sony era, like Doc Ock and and um, 
Goblin are great villains in those movies. And, and so Sony mm-hmm. hasn't had a villain problem. And even Venom, right. like, even Venom to a certain point, like, there was obviously problems with the Venom character and the iteration and the movie itself. But the Venom character, you know, like, there, there's some great things going on as far as their villains go. So I feel like, yeah, it's really like Sony bringing what they do best and Marvel obviously doing what they do best as well. So, I mean, I think this is going to set a great precedent for the future for, I mean, maybe maybe for X-Men, maybe for Fantastic Four, maybe, you know, like mm-hmm. some other um, Marvel properties that are owned at different studios and just to know that it can work. You know, once you get past all the legal, get the legal dogs on it and then, then step yeah. out of the way and let creativity do its thing. This is yeah. a great... Great example. Oh yeah, and well, and, and oh, go ahead. <laughs> what well, what I was going to say, just uh, one of those things I can throw in there is that, um, apart from Batman, I think Spider Man has the best villains hands down. Oh, he's got such me. good villains. And yeah. the Vulture is actually the fourth member of the Sinister Six gang to actually appear in a Spider-Man film. Because you've had Doc Ock, you've had Sandman, you've had mm. Electro, and now Vulture's rounding that out. So you're really only missing two more. And then you could possibly have that spin-off Sinister Six movie out there that can be in a running with Venom and things like that if they can ever clear it. Well... Yeah. I mean, they would have to reprise those old villains, which I think that they would be more inclined to reboot them. Yeah. Uh, rather than kind of reuse the villains as they originally had them, which in some cases is too bad because I love Doc Ock. Well, and Alfred Molina actually talked about wanting to come back and reprise his role as Doc Ock, which is... I would love that, but that's never going to happen. Yeah. It probably yeah. will not, no. That is never going to happen. But Alfred Molina is solid as Doc Ock. He's great. He's got that, oh, yeah. that likable villain t- thing, too. You sort of root for him, yeah. but you're also like, don't hurt my ba- my hero, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, it's not that most of the villains in the MCU and the X-Men franchise have been bad, but they just killed them off and you can't do that. Right. I was so worried about that. That's the problem. And so I love that at the end of this movie, Vulture is, Adrian Toomes is in prison. Yes. And he's still alive. He's still there. This is going to be a villain that hopefully comes back. And he has... He's a villain with a unique bit of perspective because he knows who Spider-Man actually is. Yeah. And interestingly enough, he wasn't going to say anything to anyone. Well, and even that part in the prison when he was like, if I wanted him dead, he'd be dead. You know, like... Yeah. Like, that part, it just... They're not going to not bring him back. They have to. The fact that... I was really worried that they were going to kill him off because, like you said, Marvel really has a problem with that. And I'm really glad they didn't because he's amazing. (laughs) Yep. Oh, and I forgot to wait. I forgot one one casting person. I forgot to mention is Martin Starr, who was in Freaks and Geeks, and I love him. I love him so much, and he's been in a lot of like the um, Judd Apatow movies, um, like okay. the, I think Knocked Up and a bunch of other things. Which leads into writers, um, which is uh, John Francis Daly is a writer on this, and he was also in Freaks and Geeks as well as being on Bones. He was Doctor Sweets and Bones. Which, hmm. when I read that, I was like, OMG, I love that he was a part of the writing team. It was an actual whole team, but, um, you know, the the little freaks and geeks, for anybody who's seen Freaks and Geeks, Martin Starr and John Francis Daly, 
being in it make just make my heart like so happy. <laughs> um, and I just I loved that, so I had to mention that little tiny bit before I move on from casting. <laughs> Great, yeah. I, I mean, it was obviously a lot of a lot of great cast like i said that that we went through here how did you guys uh see the film it did, and and when did you see it i saw it opening weekend um and mm-hmm. i saw it i don't go to 3d or any i don't like 3d so i never do uh that but i went normal opening week i think i went the friday um of opening weekend okay uh i usually do like a thursday night for big ones like this but i couldn't but so i did first showing on friday <laughs> that's like my new my new one. And uh, there wasn't a lot of people in the theater because it was like a 10 a.m. showing. So um, sure, that's always like sad for me not to have like people in the theater. But it's OK. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of chattering so I could focus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jonas, how about you? I saw it on a Tuesday at a <laughs> matinee. I think it was it was right after opening weekend, I think. But right. And it, so it was still fairly packed. No 3D, no nothing like that. I don't even have IMAX where I live, so I can't even mm-hmm. can't even do that. But I went to it with my daughter. I like to take her to as many movies as I can, so she can get a nice, well-rounded education in it. Hashtag good parenting. Hashtag good <laughs> exactly. parenting. Yeah, exactly. You, you uh, too. Yeah, I saw the uh, the the Thursday night release uh, opening weekend there, um, and same as Liz, I, I tend to do standard. I'm. Still just not a fan of 3D. I can't get there yet. Ugh. So, can't do it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the marketing for this. What did, What were your impressions from the trailers going into this movie? I think the first thing that stood out for me as a, I don't know if I'm going to like this, was, I don't know, something about the eyes on his mask weren't jiving with me the first time I saw a trailer or first saw him in um, the uh, Civil War. And I went, what's with his eyes? They're just, I what? But that's, I mean, he doesn't have expressive eye characteristics in any of the other movies, but he does in the comics. So they, right. putting that technology into it and explaining it a little bit more made me just kind of relax at in this yeah. movie. So, um, but like the trailers for it, I'm glad that they didn't spoil everything with, you know, this is all the good action. These are all the big reveals. Having those moments where Michael Keaton is the dad and, uh, MJ is now at the end of the movie as a reveal, and you just kind of go, oh, my God, that's great. I like being surprised. I agree. Sometimes they really pull the punch in the in the trailer, and you're like, well, why did you – what's the point of having it in there if we see it in the trailer? Like, I'm so glad – those those big surprise moments like Gwyneth and all those other ones, like, I'm so glad that we had no idea because it makes it so much more fun in the movie. Yeah. I was really concerned. They did, uh, what, three major trailers for this, I think? I think I so. I don't keep track. I think it was the second, the second one I liked, but I was, I had a little bit of caution with. And then when the third one came out, my thoughts were, holy crap, they just gave away the entire movie. Like, gone. Like, there was so much, there seemed to be so much in it. But then that said, watching the movie, yeah, they showed some of the big action moments, but they did not show those big reveals. So I, too, was very pleased that they did not do that with the trailers. Um, the trailers were good. They were very action-packed. They were right up there. They gave you, I think, a lot of clues to the story, probably a little bit too much 
for my taste because I still think that they did give up a lot. But yeah, they they didn't you know they didn't blow the entire movie. I thought they represented the movie well. Um, oh yeah, and I was actually. I mean, I um, I didn't wait, I guess, till the trailer to be excited about Tom Holland as Spider-Man because Civil War, you know, really hit the Spider-Man mark for me. I was like, oh, I'm, sure. I'm sold. So all the trailers just sort of, like, added to that, and I wasn't, like, looking for reasons to like it or not because I was already on board. So I think it was a little different for me because I wasn't, like, you know, there are trailers that you're like, I don't know about this movie, and the trailer really sways you, and this wasn't that case for me. So I was already... I was already into it. So um, I want to talk a little bit about ratings uh, for for the film. And and for those of you who did catch our beta episode, I kind of gave, you know, pulled back the curtain a little bit here on some movie rating science. Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions in when we look at some of these sites that give us movie ratings. and, And I think... It's good to understand where these ratings actually come from and, and what they mean. So I'm going to reiterate myself a little bit from our beta, uh, just for the sake of with this being our first official episode uh, going out there. So um, a, a lot of times in, in in this podcast, we're going to refer a lot, I think, to uh, two of, of the more common rating and reference websites, uh, those being IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. And you hear a lot from both of those in social media. A lot of people reference them. A lot of stuff is out there about them. And uh, people are usually always very big on saying, oh, hey, this movie is scored at whatever for, for Rotten Tomatoes. So what does that exactly mean? When a film gets a certain rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and so we're obviously going to look at Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming uh, on their tomato meter, which when someone references a score from Rotten Tomatoes, we're looking at what they call their tomato meter. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, 92%. Uh, yeah. Which is fantastic. Really, really great. But what does that 92% mean? First of all, the reviews that Rotten Tomatoes brings in come from approved reviewers. So you have to... It's It's not just me or or someone else, you know, kind of casual movie goer person who can do these these types of, of ratings. They have um and, and right on the Rotten Tomatoes website, they do show this. So they do show the information here so it's not like totally cheating. They're uh they had reviews from their approved reviewers of uh two hundred and seventy six. That 92%, what that represents is the percentage of those 276 that gave a favorable rating of the movie. So what that meant, 254 of those reviewers gave it a favorable review. 22 of those reviewers uh, gave it a an unfavorable review. So that's what that 92% actually represents. It does not represent how people rated it. It just did they like it or did they not like it? Now they did. They do indicate in here that the average rating that was given from those uh, approved reviewers was a seven point six out of ten. So a seven point six. If you're looking for the scale of how it was liked, that seven point six or seventy six percent is really the number that you're looking for. 
Uh, now they do list on here on Rotten Tomatoes also an audience score. And the audience score is something that the average person can weigh in on. Uh, what they do here also, it, kind of similar to their tomato meter. They show a 90% audience score. That means that 90% of the people who rated it on the Rotten Tomatoes website, this is the, 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 the you and me people, we liked it. Now, again, they do also give an average rating. Um, for some reason, the audience score is on a five base scale. So the average rating received by uh, audience members was 4.3 out of five, or very simply to make that, to put that to a 10 base scale, uh, that gives you an 8.6 out of 10. So an 86%. Uh, so the audience uh, reviewers tended to like that more than the approved reviewers. Uh, and user ratings, by the way, or, or audience ratings, uh, almost 85,000 is what we're looking at right now, just, just shy of that. IMDb, IMDb's is kind of a pure review. So you go to IMDb and you see that they give it an 8 out of 10. And that is from audience members. So that's you and I. You just simply have to be registered on their site uh, as a registered user. And um, they have they show 120 over 126,000 reviews of this. And, and out of 10 people, uh, the, the average was an 8 even. So uh, just to kind of show where those, where those numbers come from. So that's kind of my, my spiel on uh, some of these, the, the science behind uh, some of these popular ratings. All about the science. Yeah, there it is. There's, there's, there's the science. We talked about in, be- in the beta, like whether or not we really re- listen to or rely on reviews or um, mm-hmm. ratings, whether or not that really sways us in uh, one way or another on the movie. So we should probably mention that in this one, right? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great idea. Go go ahead, Liz, and uh, and and let us know what you think. I was going to say I don't care about them really much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to see the general like opinion, especially like the first release when all the like the press and everybody gets to go see it and like sort of what their general reaction is. But it really doesn't usually sway me one way or the other. Um, you know, whether or not I'll like a movie or whether or not I'm going to see a movie. Once I made my mind up, I don't really care what other people think about it. I like to talk about it and read that stuff after I've seen the movie so I can come to it and say like, oh, that person's way off base or they're, or, oh, okay, I agree with that. So that's, I really don't, I don't look at any of that before I go into a movie because I don't want to have that impression in my head and say like, oh, the one shot was non, you know, wasn't consistent with the other thing. Like, I don't care about that. I don't want to know about that, you know. So I don't even look at any of that. What about you guys? Um, I, I think in the back of my mind, sometimes ratings play a little bit. But I usually don't look at the ratings unless I am indecisive about wanting to go see a movie in the theater. Like, if there's a bunch of things playing and I want to see one of them but i i can't go to it and i have to see if there's a secondary one then i'll start looking at ratings and going okay do i really want to see this most people don't like it maybe i'll just save my money that's about the only thing oh that's a good way to use it i never thought about that yeah before. i mean as much as i'd love to have an unlimited movie budget and just see everything in the theaters i am more picky and choosy and it either has to be something i really really want to see or i know it's going to be the best experience at the theater Mm, good sure. point. And I'm kind of the same way. I, I think I, I do. I allow myself to be influenced 
which I almost feel bad about. I almost like feel negative about it. Uh, take for example, Valerian. Mm. I loved the trailers for Valerian. I was dead set that I was going to go see Valerian. And when the review started coming in, it just kind of the excitement left me. Oh no. Yeah. And, and it opened the same weekend as Dunkirk, which I did go see. Uh, Dunkirk was one of those things that I was going to go see anyway. It didn't matter what any of the ratings were. Mm. And, um, you know, there was this thought of, eh, okay, maybe I'll, I'll try to get in two movies on a weekend. And I think I kind of had my wife convinced to go see Valerian with me. But once I saw those ratings, I just said, eh, no, I, I have other things to do. You were saving your money for the emoji movie the next weekend. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am just floored by the fact that the emoji movie has done so well in its opening weekend of the box office. <laughs> I, I don't understand that, but that's that's a divergence. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah. So so back to this. Uh, yeah. b- back to Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes. Uh, let's see here. What did you? I think we talked about a lot of what we liked. Yeah. What didn't you guys like about the movie? Oh goodness, I didn't have anything that I was like that sucked. <laughs> you know, like. I, casting great, like action great. Um, I loved the like uh, I put in for wardrobe later, like stuff about the suits and the the different suits that you see in the movie, and um, just the like the flow of it from the get go with that with the like movie. So I, I'm talking about all the things I like again. So I don't really, <laughs> I don't think I had anything that I didn't like really. Um, did you guys? I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot you could dislike about the movie. It was just either entertaining or full of action most of the way through it. The, the, right, I mean, or funny, and like, yeah. Right. I mean, so there's never really a, a humorous moment that just got a chuckle. It was either a laugh or it was amusing. It was just, there was nothing forced about it. Um, I think they did a great job, I mean, from top to bottom. The only thing that yeah. I think ever really got to me was how Happy was just always kind of pissy to... <laughs> to poor Peter Parker, and I'm going, but that's Spider-Man. Why are you being such a dick to him the whole time? He's so grumpy all the time. <laughs> but that's and, his character. He's like yeah. that in the other movies, too. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, why are you doing it now? It's more of just like, that's the only thing that really bugged me to a yeah. small degree. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we have to, like, scrape the barrel for things we didn't like says a lot. <laughs> Maybe we have to go see, like, a really terrible movie so we can rate it. Apparently Valerian is. Apparently, go see Valerian and see what we can <laughs> Or emoji with. movie. Tim's the bane of Tim's existence. Did you have anything, Tim? I did, and got, oh. see, now I almost feel Uh-oh. guilty because you guys didn't really have that much. Well, go ahead. <laughs> there were. I will tell you. There were three things. Oh. Three. I make myself three. <laughs> we'll talk you into yeah. liking them. Go ahead. There were three things that I wasn't real crazy about. Okay. First of all, the the simple one, I think, is that whenever they did wide shots or, or shots at a distance of Spider-Man um, in, his, in his suit, particularly like, you know, swinging between buildings or whatever in the city, it looked very cartoony. Really? I didn't think that at all. But, you know. I, I, think, know. They, I think they brightened the red too much. In the CG, and it just made it look, 
it made it look like I was, you know, watching the, the 80s Spider-Man cartoon. Huh. I can see parts um, of that. That's yeah. all I could think of with that. Uh, up close, obviously, the suit was fantastic, and I loved everything about it, but those shots at a distance just, like, seemed to kind of take me out of it a little bit. Interesting. Uh, little, little too much animation that wasn't refined enough for me. Now, the two other things that I didn't like are actually two of the biggest scenes in the film. Oh. Uh, so the first one, the Staten Island Ferry. You didn't like Staten Island Ferry? The ferry would have sunk. I, <laughs> I, I'm, it's I'm a sorry, superhero universe. It was, I understand that, <laughs> but the ferry was sliced in half. I don't care how much webbing he would have used. The ferry would have sunk. It would have taken on too much water, and it would it would not have sat there and floated in halves. I uh, no. Listen, no, no, no. So you're it playing didn't the, the physics that. card on this one. <laughs> yeah, I got to play the physics card on it, and it just didn't work for me. I mean, I like the scene in terms of the the action and that kind of stuff, and it's almost tropey, and not in a negative way, but it's almost tropey for Spider Man to do this web things together and like it's become I, i'm actually looking at the scene the image on rotten tomatoes right now it's the the static image on there of of spider-man um in the middle of the ferry after he's webbed it and he has you know a, one end of the web in one hand and the other in the other hand and you know he's kind of trying to pull it together as he's getting stretched and it's very what? you know they, they did it with peter parker with i think the subway train with the l with Toby, um, with Toby Maguire's Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's almost kind of iconic, and I'm glad that they brought that in. It was kind of a nice throwback to 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 the, to the Toby film. But, yeah, the physics took me out of it. Well, what I liked about that scene and the fact that it was tropey and the fact that it did harken back to things we've seen before is the way they turned it on his head, and it didn't work for him. And RDJ had to come right. in and save the day. And... You know, um, I thought that that made that scene 100 times better because it wasn't just like, oh, of course, so he is able to use the webs to keep the Staten Island Ferry together because obviously he wouldn't have been able to um, yeah. with physics if you want to get all sciencey again. But um, <laughs> but but the fact that he couldn't. And so Robert Downey Jr., you know, Iron Man had to come in and fix it. Because he'd yeah. gotten himself into a, into a situation that Tony suggested he not even get into, and he got into it, and it went wrong, and and you know he had to be bailed out, which is the catalyst for the end of the film. You know the whole the breakdown of the ending when his suit's taken away and he has to, you know, sort of like go back to the um, <laughs> piece piecemeal suit that he creates at the end, which I love. Um, yeah. So I th I liked it for the catalyst that it was, and I thought the point was that he couldn't do it. I mean, right. to your point, he couldn't. It wasn't feasible. Right. And, and part of it was because basically he was going against the odds, and the other part of it was a lack of experience, and it showed his youth. And, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the fact that it was a catalyst, and that's what caused Tony Stark to basically spank him and say, give me the suit. Right. You're done. What's your other scene? My other scene? Well, my other scene was the other big battle. Um, the one that happened on top of Stark's airplane uh, as it's flying over New York City. <sighs> it, <laughs> that exhalation. <laughs> I, I mean, 
again, it comes down to physics, and the physics just kind of goodness took you- me out of it. That look, you you have a plane when there's just so many issues. First of all, the, the the plane was like at an elevation that at that elevation and at that speed, probably about 400 miles an hour or so. The 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 ambient temperature, oh, not to mention the wind chill, would have simply been too much for <laughs> them to deal with. And you know they can't even say, "Oh, well, Peter was in his teched up suit because he wasn't." And so th- there's just you know there's issues with that and. and <laughs> Uh, along with the fact that the the wind, they would have not have been able to. They just didn't show enough to me that the two of them. I mean, you have <laughs> Vulture who has his wings spread out, standing on top of the airplane. I'm sorry, you would have been like gone, blown, blown right off of this plane, um, and, and you know, Spider Man along with him. So I, I, I kind of had some issues with that. But the other issue that I had with that scene was the the direction of it. It was so dark, lighting-wise, and then they would have these flashes of light that, you know, would come from whatever, the beacons on the airplane or something, and all I could think was, holy crap, I'm watching, you know, Michael Bay's Transformers again. Oh, don't put that on this movie. No, because (laughs) I'm getting nothing but flashes of light and fast movement, and I can't keep track of what the hell's going on on the screen. Now, granted, this was only about, you know, probably 30 seconds worth of screen mm, time. Yeah. So it's not like it it was overwhelming to the film. But there was so much of it that I just had to say, okay, it's dark, they're on the plane, they're fighting. Uh, you know, all right, let's 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 move past this and catch me up to, to then what happened. Um, I just did not like, I didn't like the scene, I didn't like the directing. That whole thing needed to have been done very differently for me. Um, you know, the Staten Island Ferry one, I can kind of swallow because it was what it was, but this thing on the plane was just junk to me, and I wish they would have done it differently. That part was really disappointing. I mean, the fact that you likened it to a Transformers movie, I mean, set, set <laughs> told down, sir. It's not a Transformers movie. <laughs> but I see what you're saying about, like, when it's really difficult to, to understand what's happening in a shot, that's... Annoying. I didn't. I didn't feel that way, but I get where you're coming from with that one. You lost me at ambient temperature, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that there's certain things like, you know, you put me in front of a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and I don't have any thoughts toward physics. It, right, because it's, it's space. space. So I'm, I'm, Everything's. I'm, yeah, I'm out in outer space. Right. But by God, you put me on planet Earth, and. It's, I'm not a physician, people. Or, I'm not a, a, a physics person. You're not I'm a not physician a, either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that either. I'm not a doctor. Um, but but you play one like on this simple pocket. things that like just I was just like yeah no no this isn't this isn't legit. I I it's have not legit. The highest I think I have the highest buy in of like any person on the planet. Like I if you tell me that that's what it is, I'll be like nah, okay. I'm if, if that works for your story, then. Works for me. Like, sure, he's standing on the top of the plane and his wings are spread out. Maybe he's got magnet boots. I don't know. You don't know. He could have magnet boots, Tim. Maybe. How's that throw into your physics, your physician physics? (laughs) (laughs) And the ambient temperature. (laughs) 
I, I, on one hand, feel that I'm being kind of highly critical of some of these things, but on the other hand, there were just some things. You know, you've got an animation issue. Fix the animation issue. That's the, to me, it really stood out, and I think that's something that should have been caught really early on. I, I understand that sometimes real world physics get traded in for excitement, and 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 I can be down with that. But yeah, the airplane scene was definitely to to me it was it was trash. Ah, uh, trash is a totally different is approach. Really strong, but okay. I see where <laughs> I see where you're going with it. I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys like best about this film? Oh, all the things. Somehow I knew Liz was going to say that. Can I like all the things? I think Michael. <laughs> you, you I think can, Michael I Keaton. I think really Michael Keaton blew it away for me. Um, oh yeah, I just He's so good. I just kept. I want. I want that vulture jacket so bad. I want one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it goes to my fashion roots, but I love. I just. I don't know. I, it's hard to pick, but it really. I think Michael Keaton's performance really stood out for me. Uh, we already know Robert Downey Jr. can do what he does. We already from Civil War. We know Tom Holland can really play that. It's nice to see him be able to take on a whole movie um, playing Peter Parker and really make it fly. Um, and I'm excited to see what Zendaya does because she didn't really get that much to work with yet. Um, it's mm-hmm. more for the future, but really Michael Keaton for me was the, and, and the crossing over of the two, um, the two production companies to really make this really, I, I love that about it. I like when people play nice. So, um, yeah. that, that really going into it, I was jazzed because of that. Uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be epic. <laughs> Just, yeah. but Michael Keaton, I will say Michael Keaton. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would probably say the same type of thing, actually, but it's in a darker setting because I think this, I mean, in, in all, Spider-Man was an electrifying movie. It was funny. It was everything you really want in a movie, in my opinion. So I'm, when I get to ratings, I'll probably rate it really high just because of those factors alone. But one of the things I like the most, which made it rate so high, is because it's taking a factor of all these superheroes, and now you've just brought it down to that base level in one of the very first scenes with Vulture and Tomb's character, where he's now out of a job because Tony Stark just took it from him. And Tony Stark is not only causing the mayhem, he's fixing it and taking his livelihood away from him. So this, I mean, one of the things I liked about it is because he made... uh, the villain actually be just like everybody else. Like what would you do for your family? If everything that you knew how to do was suddenly taken from you by people who were brought up on money, who had all this wealth, who are now the most powerful people in the world. You start to see it as this, like, like these people are not our heroes. They're actually against us. And I sided with that just for that sole fact of like, yeah, that, that would make me, completely want to go insane and then he gets that taste for money and power and that's what starts to corrupt him and make him in that same category of super villain then so i love the way that they played that off and and because of that i really started to dislike tony stark at that point and i think that's what they were hinting at and seeing if they could fish those kind of emotions out of people and i think for me they did well, and it's sort of the idea that even our good guys aren't it not only are the bad guys not inherently evil, our good guys aren't inherently good. There are there are shades to both sides. 
And, right. um, and I like uh, to your point, Jonas, of like how making it so personal, like super, this like superhero genre is such a big concept. It's so epic. It's so like the world is being taken over. And this was so personal and they really brought it down to like this other level that just added so much. And, and really again, through my Michael Keaton's performance of that. But I, lo- I agree. I agree with everything you said, Tim. Cool. What was yours? Gosh, I all the things. It, it, yeah, <laughs> you know, the there physics. was so much of this movie that just like magically fit together the way that we had wanted it to. Except for physics, I loved. Yeah, except for some things with physics. <laughs> I just I love I love the tie in to the MCU. I mean they they could have just simply left it alone at. Spider-Man was recruited by Tony Stark and given a cooler suit and, okay, there you go, and there's your connection. They could have left it at that. Yeah. And I think most people probably would have been reasonably okay with it. You give us a good movie, sure, that's cool. But I love the fact that they tied Vulture into the the attack on New York City from the first Avengers movie, I just, I love that. And it's not like it was something that even happened yesterday. This is something that happened years ago. This is several movies back. It was a terrific tie-in. You know, they mentioned damage control in there, so they give another nod to the comics in that. Yeah. It was just really great. I love that they did that. The characterizations, like we talked about earlier on, there was just so many fantastic... Uh, actors and actresses in this film and the characterizations that they played were absolutely spot on. I, I, I don't know, probably the only one that I had any issues with in terms of characters was Flash. And I think that's because we're so used to what's kind of become tropey in Spider-Man is Flash is this arrogant prick right? that, you know, he's a jock and... He's he's completely the opposite of who Peter Parker is, and he plays Peter's he plays Peter Parker's foil. He's Peter Parker's adversary, not Spider Man's, but Peter's. And and we didn't really, you know, Flash was just kind of a jerk, but he wasn't that big of a deal, and and he was shoved aside, and Peter stole his car, and, and that was that, <laughs> and and. You know, um, but I, I mean, again, that's okay. This is a different version of the story, and we're kind of reimagining some of the storytelling in this. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. I think another person I spoke that... with on Twitter didn't like that either. Were we talking about that on Twitter? Who was I talking to that about? I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. There's Someone a, I've seen it mentioned a, by a couple people, but there's a go little, ahead, Jonas. Little little thing out there that that mentions that that whole because Flash is supposed to be that burly football player who just bullies peter around right in this Mm -hmm. one they they wanted to make him a wealthy smug like hateable character to portray Mm -hmm. modern bullies so Mm. it's no longer just a physical bully it's it's one of those people that will will bully you but in a way that's not physically aggressive it's just interesting okay so it is sort of more realistic to our time now of what bullying looks like cyberbullying or anything like that it has changed so that's an interesting way to go with it. Um, I don't, I've, I haven't ever read the Spider-Man comic book. I know a lot of the things that go on. So that I wasn't, I didn't really care that they changed him. But I know that 
uh, like I said, so I was having some giant conversation with somebody on Twitter about it, and they were really not okay with it at all. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I was, I was fine. Yeah, with that. I can see well, that one. And this just goes back to what I said before that I think when we watch adaptations of comic books, we can't be stuck to the stories, to the original stories from the comics. We we need to understand that they have to take some kind of literary license. Yeah. When it comes to transitioning comic to film and also to keep it fresh and current, you need to make some twists and some changes and some alterations. Um, for, for as much as we love to see our favorite stories retold, let's come up with new stories and let's alter the characters a little bit to make it interesting. And and I, I'm personally okay with that. I think people will get more and more used to it, you know, because that's sort of the way that everybody's taking it, you know, so. Yeah. So let's see. Big picture story. You guys liked it, I think. I, I don't think there's any <laughs> dissension in the ranks. I, I think the, the, the overall story was, was a thumbs up for all of us, right? Yeah, I think a lot of the next points we really, like, have – have really gone through and and have agreed on pretty much. I give yeah. it a thumbs up. Overall story, thumbs up. Absolutely. Um, now, some individual plot points, um, some things that I found really interesting or, or compelling with the film, maybe even some things that left me with some question marks, like Avengers Tower mm-hmm. is basically being abandoned. It was sold. What uh, what what's going to happen with that? Is yeah. it just going to become another building that's owned by somebody, or does something happen to this? I mean, I heard a little bit of speculation that oh, well, this this has to then be the tower that the Fantastic Four take over, but that's Fox. So unless there's something coming that. We don't know about. There has that been is talk the about mega that crossover, the 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 mega merger of all the Marvel properties coming together. I I, I don't know. I don't know. There has been talk about Fantastic Four um, coming to Marvel, but I don't think it's official or anything. But that does. But that is an interesting point. Of I thought that too. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what's <Yeah>. going on? <laughs> I mean, Avengers headquarters, as they said a couple films ago, was moved to upstate New York. In fact, it's in my backyard. Right. Um, Which makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they've explained that out. So I get that. But yeah, it doesn't make sense why the tower still wouldn't be operational. So, yeah. So that that part of it is is kind of interesting. Um, There were a few Easter eggs in there. uh, As as Happy was loading up the plane, we had the Hulkbuster. Yep. Armor. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the few remaining armors after, you know, Tony had destroyed all of them in, in the epi- uh, the end of uh, Iron Man 3. But then obviously built some more that we saw from the subsequent films. Uh, but the Hulkbuster uh, our armor is, was there. Um, there was uh, Thor's belt. Is that what I remember? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was I think it was Thor's belt, which seemed to be an interesting Thor's artifact. Belt, and I remember hearing something about that comic book wise that it had some type of relevance. Huh. Do you guys remember what else that they mentioned that might have been up there? Does Jonas have fun facts? 
I have some just not of the inventory in the plane. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I haven't done like that. I like to usually go in and like read what like Uber fans have like, uh, in this one scene, you may have missed that he said the word um, spider um, in Latin. Well, in the in the comic book, the Latin for spider means is whatever, like whatever funny thing that I'm like, I have, well, how would I ever know that? I love, I love that. Like, that's why other people like, pers- that's where other people's perspectives really like enhance my experiences. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll just Google it. Sure. Yeah, sure. Overall pacing and structure of the film. Yeah, loved loved it. Kept me kept me in the whole time. Yeah, I don't think there are any real big down points. If anything, the DC trip kind of almost fell out of place. I understood why they did it, but it felt a little out of place. I'm not quite sure. It had its why? hiccup, but there is. I think yeah, for for what it needed for the the plot to carry through. I think that that's the best you can ever hope for. Yeah. 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 I think so. Uh, So we talked a lot about characterizations, um, settings. So one thing that I do want to give a particular shout out to, um, and I think a lot of our listeners come from random chatter network. So they've probably heard it mentioned before. Uh, They've seen it on, on our Twitter, jovial J who uh, does the agents of shield uh, he's a co-host on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. He does the Flash show. He does uh, the Green Arrow show uh, with Random Chatter. And then he is also uh, over on Jedi Journals over at rebelscum.com and theforce.net. Jay is a huge fan of the MCU films and has been working on a project called MCU Location Scout. Uh, so Marvel Cinematic Universe Location Scout. Very, very cool. Um, just open up Google and type in MCU Location Scout. And it will probably bring you to a bunch of the blog posts on randomchatter.com. Where he, and he's been regularly updating and talking about the stuff that he has in there. There is also um, a link to the uh, Google Maps setup that he has in there. And, and in there he has multiple layers for the Avengers films and for Spider-Man and for a bunch of other uh, movies uh, along with agents, the agents of shield TV show, basically the locations where they have filmed and shot these different things. Uh, most of them, obviously in the U S some in some other places and uh, particular to Spider-Man homecoming. A lot of locations obviously were shot in New York city. Yeah. The uh, DC stuff was actually filmed in DC uh, I don't think that they actually climbed the uh, Washington Monument, uh, but they did do some filming in and around there. And, and um, I think Jay also identified that they filmed in a uh, in a hotel near there. A lot of this film, a lot of the Marvel films are filmed down in Atlanta. Uh, so there is a uh, the uh, Pinewood Studios Atlanta that's that's down there, just uh, I think just south of Atlanta. And interestingly enough, I happen to visit one of the locations uh, that they had done some filming in uh, for work. I happened to be at this little tiny airport uh, in Peachtree City, Atlanta, uh, just south of Georgia, called uh, Atlanta Regional Airport, or Falcon Field, is is what it's known as. Very small airport. I was doing some work there. 
and speaking with the airport manager and knowing that, hey, this is kind of like it's become a, 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 a southeast Hollywood. Um, and so much is filmed through there. And so the airport manager was telling me, yeah, we get all the a lot of the VIPs. We had, you know, Robert Downey Jr. flies in on his private plane and all these other actors and actresses very often fly in there because it is close to the studios and it's also very obscure and they can get in and out without a lot of hassle and media and fans and that kind of stuff. Um, and they actually did, if you remember, right in the very beginning of Homecoming where Peter Parker was kind of reflecting on his whole experience from Civil War and he, he had his, his home movie. After the occurrence of Civil War, they showed uh, Peter landing at uh, an airport in Tony Stark's private plane with Tony Stark, and uh, they looked out on a, a look out of the aircraft. I think on a window, or they're walking across the tarmac or something. And that little airport uh, where they changed the sign and put you know Stark's uh, logo up there was actually Atlanta Regional Airport. Oh. So they, yeah, so they had actually filmed that. You know, it's it's a, a thirty second bit, uh, but they did film that on on the ramp at the airport. So. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, go to MCU Location Scout. It's really neat. You'll see stuff there. Um, also for the Netflix series, that stuff is there. And yeah, there's just, there's so much. So nice. really cool to look out. Um, Jonas, I know you have to depart, uh, pretty shortly and you've kind of collected some, some fun and interesting film facts for us. So is there, are, are there a handful of things that the, you want to throw at us before you leave us? I do. One of them. Do it. <laughs> One of the things I came across actually in the casting part that um, Liz did not mention, or if she did, I, I spaced out or had a small mini stroke. Um, did you guys know who did the voice <laughs> for Karen? Karen, who's Karen? Karen is the computer oh, voice. Yeah. Yes. Spider Man suit. I actually know this, but I will let you say it. Uh-huh. Do it's it. Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly has been in two other Marvel or two of her comic book films. I should say she was Elizabeth Betty Ross in Hulk back in two thousand three. She was also of which we do not speak. Which we do not speak. (laughs) But one of the fun things about it is that she did the voice for Karen, which is in Spider Man suit. Her husband Paul Bettany did the voice for Iron Man's computer Jarvis Jarvis. and his Vision. Yeah, that's I love that. Yeah. So that was yeah, a fun. That's one. a great fact. That's, that's a funny. really that's great fact. Yeah, um, that was one of the coolest things that I found out about the movie after the movie. Right? Yeah, that's that is cool. Um, another one. Let's see. The principal at uh, Peter Parker's school, uh, Kenneth Choi, who I think plays uh, Principal Morita. He was also. Yeah, I did have him on my list, but I skipped it. Go ahead. Oh, he played the Howling Commando Jim Morita in Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, mm-hmm. In the in the office, you can actually see photos of the Howling Commando, which hints basically just that they are related and possibly his grandson. So that was one I kind of went, oh, I love little fun facts that I have to watch, you know, over That's and over cool. and over again to ever find out. Yeah, I love um, that stuff too. That's a good one. Yeah, but also in the school, there's pictures of Howard Stark um, as well as Bruce Banner and Abraham Erskine. I think I'm saying that right, Erskine. But they're they're peppered throughout. Um, one of the fun 
things that I like is when they, they give little tiny subtle hints. And a couple of ways they did that in this film was through license plates. Apparently on Aunt May's car, if you can see her license plate, it reads AMF 1562, which is supposed to stand for, um, Amazing Fantasy 15 is the number issue back in 1962. That was the year Spider-Man first appeared. Oh, that's oh, cool. And, that's very cool. And a secondary one was actually on um, Donald Glover's license plate when he is trapped on the trunk. I'm trying to find out where that one's at, though. It basically gave reference to the first um, Spider-Man that... Uh, an Ultimate Spider-Man. But his first appearance. And now uh, That's I can't cool. So, yeah. License plates mean stuff. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, that's neat. And those are cool, subtle things that someone puts effort into that you really just don't notice. Yeah. Yeah, just, but really enhance it once you know about it. Yeah. 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 And once exactly. you find it out and you and look nice. at it and you go, oh, yeah, I never would have mm-hmm. known that ever in my life. Yeah. I think. And when you sit and watch the movie at home with someone a few months later, you can really show how much of a geek you are. Yeah, you can just point out and go, hey, you know what that means? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Which we will I'll all be, be doing. The only one that cares. Yeah, <laughs> mostly. Um, That's awesome. Uh, one of the I, I have two other ones, and then I, I promise there, everything else is is searchable out there if you want to go look for it. But there's that um, video newscast that goes on during the school, and one of the uh, people on there is. Betty Brant and Betty Brant in the comic books is actually J. Jonah Jameson's secretary at the Daily Bugle. Oh, uh-huh. so future things in that one. And the last one that I have is there was somebody else who wanted to play the vulture if Michael Keaton turned the part down, which I thought would have been fantastic, but probably not up to his skill set, which is Mark Hamill. No, yeah. really? What? How cool is that? <gasps> that oh, that would have been, been good. I think they went the right path with Michael Keaton just because I will always oh. see him as either the voice of the Joker or when he played the trickster in the television yeah. series. Those are the two things where yep. I, I align him, so I thought they did, did good in that What? Part. Oh, that's but cool. also not any other characters that might Mark Hamill might have played? Oh yeah, no, 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 no other ones. No. Not at all. <laughs> like what? Who's, who's Mark? Who's Mark Hamill? Again? <laughs> that would have been. I think I'm saying that, that right. Hamill or Hamill? Yeah, Ham Hamill. <laughs> Mark Hamill. <laughs> okay, good. You fixed it. You fixed it. I fixed it. Uh, oh, the other awesome. thing I for, wanted to mention was the um, like the Captain America bits with the videos, the, like the. Oh, God. the oh. <laughs> And the one at the very end, and like, oh, those were so funny. I was like, well, also, it seemed strange given patience, given where Captain America is currently at in post Civil War. You know what I mean? He's just yeah. sort of that hint of him uh, being he's probably a war criminal now. I know, right? Persona yeah. yeah, from the gym teacher. Right, that was hilarious. That was amazing. Oh, that was great when he turned the wrong way and the gym teacher was on the other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so good it was so like oh, yeah. first avenger cap yeah. you know like classic cap i thought that was amazing just this little side note to mention yeah that was that was pretty incredible <laughs> that was funny stuff yeah really funny stuff 
Anything else for us, Jonas? Before you, uh, before you have to bounce. Uh, what's your rating? Rating for the film? Oh yeah, what's your rating? My rating, um, since I'm only going to do like halves, I'm not going to get into the like point eight threes type <laughs> thing. I would have to put this one at. I mean, it's super up there for me. I probably put it at nine point five. And I mean, wow. And I know that I rated that actually higher than Wonder Woman, which I. I I loved, but this one had such very, I mean, apart from the physics, which I tend to overlook when I'm being entertained so much. Is Everyone the, does, Jonas, except right. for Tim. Except for Tim. Tim. Tim's all physics, all science, this guy. All, all that but, physics. That's right. But All physics all the time. Yeah. It was humorous. It was action-packed. It had a great storyline. It tied in all these other films, all these little tiny nuances that, that as a film lover and somebody who loves comic book films, you, you can't not love the way that they portrayed this movie. There's just so much just packed into it. The, the humorous moments where Peter's trying to shoot his web in the middle of, you know, suburbia and he can't go anywhere because there's no buildings around. That's yeah. one of those things I always go, yeah, you'd never make it out there. Yeah. So that was really it, funny. It really packed it in. I think that that subtle underlying uh, villain for the vulture and how it parries off of what the heroes are trying to do on a grand scale. So, I mean, when you, when you have things like um, Age of Ultron that had come out and now you have you know Infinity Wars coming up, this one really brought it back down to home and said, yeah, we don't just have these super powered ultimate beings out there. We have our own kind of evil lurking in and that evil is sometimes created by us. Yeah. So, I mean, it had really great tie-ins to everything. So, I mean, this was a great movie for me. Oh, how yeah. interesting that a Marvel movie got a higher rating than a DC movie from Jonas. <laughs> well, Shocking. in this case, in this case, they really did go that extra mile, and Shocking. I got to give it to them. I am shocked, but I like it. <laughs> Just because I don't like every flavor of pizza doesn't mean that they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of Marvel's flavors are good, so there you go. <laughs> I will dispute that at a different time. <laughs> <laughs> I like to bait you. All right, let's not talk about Ant Man. Um, you need a awakening. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. We'll get to that later, sir. That might be a, a, yeah, like a yeah. try fight there. <laughs> we need like a full, a full Marvel like breakdown, a full DC breakdown, and then one where you like yell at each other about both of them. Exactly. We should. That's, we should. It'll be a three part series. <laughs> three part series. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, Jonas, we'll let you go while uh, Lizzie and I get things wrapped up here. Thank you for letting me sit in, and I will be chatting with you soon. Okay, bye. Awesome. Thanks, Jonas. You bet. All right. So, Lizzie, what uh, what did you dig up about the wardrobe? <laughs> All right. Since you are our resident fashionista. You know, it's my favorite. Um, well, our wardrobe uh, person was Louise Frogley, and the other um, – Marvel movies that she's worked on. She did Iron Man 3, and she's actually doing the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, Tim's Wasp. favorite. Wasp. Um, it's going to be good, and you should shut your mouth. <laughs> 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 You're going to like it. It's going to be good. Um, other movies that she's worked on, she has quite the resume. Um, 
back in, I mean, she's worked on Bull Durham. She worked on The Cure. She worked on Speed Ooh. 2. She worked on Traffic. She did Constantine. She did Quantum of Solace. She did Ocean 13, Good Night and Good Luck, Syriana, and like so many other ones. I just sort of handpicked a couple that might give you a direction of like how diverse she is. And, you know, like as far right. as like she's got some uh, period stuff. She's got some action stuff. She's got superhero stuff. She's got like all the things. Bond, you know, she's got a little bit of everything in there. Um, her main, uh, we were talking a little bit about before about the main suit being more reminiscent of the comic book version, especially with the eyes and then the underarm mm-hmm. webbing from the comics. Um, she has a quote where she's talking about Steve Ditko's original design. And she says, I absolutely love Steve Ditko because his art was so simple, so incredibly graphic. It etched itself into the collective consciousness. It's almost like he invented a trademark by accident, which I sort of liked. <laughs> I liked that quote. Um, yeah. So some of the – so we have the three Spidey suits in the movie that she uh, created. You've got the uh, the one that's like the main one that we see in Civil War that passes on that Tony gives him. Some of the modifications on that suit are a heater, lights, surveillance data, airbags, teaser webs, multi-web shooters, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other functions. One of my favorite parts was when he um, finds out about the training program and oh, yeah. or the training, training wheels and he has them take them off and he's got like – death mode and he's like wait isn't there anything else <laughs> um yep and so there's a whole lot of other functions once the training program has been removed and then the other suits we see is once he gets that suit taken away he sort of has his own like sweat pants suit with the like yes the beanie pulled over his head and like i really loved that suit because it felt so peter parker like I'm still going to, I still have to go save people, but I don't want them to know who I am. So I'm just going to wear it like blue and red, like whatever I have, um, Mm -hmm. tall socks, like whatever. And then we see the like future amazing tricked out version that Tony offers him at the end that he turns down. That looks so So cool. Um, Yes. So we don't know if, we don't know when he might use that Infinity War or if maybe that's something that Miles Morales will take up one day if, if they go that direction. Um, but that's some of the, some of the little stuff that I found about the suits and everything. Um, I loved that there's sort of like, you see the flushing out of how diverse the suits can be and how different they, I mean, we know that from seeing the amazing Spider-Man and seeing Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So you can, there are differences Mm -hmm. as you go along, but I also like that they went more of a comic route. And I liked that the eyes were so characteristic and reminiscent of the comics. It really gave it such a unique look, um, and made it really its own. So that's my little wardrobe business. Yeah. I, I love the eyes too. And, um, Oh, one thing I forgot to mention was that, uh, Tom Holland did uh, an interview on Nerdist with mm. Chris Hardwick. Uh, so if you happen to, well, if you do happen to subscribe to that podcast, then you probably listen to it. Uh, if you don't, it's definitely worth listening to. Tom Holland is, he was a fantastic guest, uh, great young man, really humble, very entertaining just so interesting to listen to his story and he is just head over heels excited to be spider-man it's i mean he really has a lot of peter parker in him it's it was really really cool and um he was talking about 
the the eyes and obviously while he was acting they weren't doing things with the eyes that was something that was you know added in as as cg but he said that knowing that they were doing that helped because he felt that he wasn't able to be expressive enough ah even though he had to learn how to he put a lot of effort and talked to a lot of people and worked with acting coaches and that kind of stuff to be expressive without having a face. Yeah, and his voice and stuff. You have to really utilize your other skills to get that across. Exactly. That's interesting. Exactly. So, you know, it's everything from just simply how he might cock his head to other body language uh, and, like you said, to, to voice inflection. So some really interesting things that sometimes we don't think about. And there's a a lot of significance kind of across the board. And I'm sure that... You know, Robert Downey Jr. has had similar sentiments when he is in the Iron Man character because, well, the Iron Man mask does not emote. Nope. Uh, (laughs) It does not. You know, so there's not much that you can do with that. And yeah, so that's certainly, that's certainly a challenge. But definitely, if you have not listened to that interview with Tom Holland on Nerdist, uh, please, please do so. It was, it was fantastic. I definitely recommend it. I'm going to have to listen to that because I really, I like knowing that stuff. And well, I guess the thing about Iron Man is that you really get those close up shots of him in the suit, whereas they didn't do that with Spider Man because it's, you know, like when they do that really, really close up where you see him talking. To Jarvis yeah. oh, yes, yes. in the yeah, suit. Yeah, where you're like looking, yeah, where you're looking at him as if the camera was inside the mask. Right, as if you were the screen, yeah. you're seeing his face. So they do a good job of allowing him to have those moments, whereas they, that doesn't work for Spider-Man because you don't, because it's next to his face. He, he does have a screen yeah. in there, but it's not, it's different. Um, yeah. but I didn't even think about that. Like, of course you have, and I think, I think they talked a little bit about that with Toby too. Toby's iteration where you really mm-hmm. have to do like voice acting and um demonstrative body motions to like really like hand motions or like the way you stand says a lot. Um I didn't really think about that, but I think that's really interesting and I like that. I'm going to have to sure. listen to that. Yeah, I mean you practically have to spend some time <clears throat> with like a pantomime coach. <laughs> right. To kind of, you know, and not like, you know, pretending that you're inside of a wall or something, but Still just to, to overemphasize those body movements and figure out which ones are so important. Right. And something um, that's I, not natural to you. You know, it's not yes, natural to yeah. like move your arm when you're saying necessarily, you know, so that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I loved the teched out suits. They're so cool. <laughs> they are really cool. I love them. I love the features. I love the... <clears throat> Pre, you know, with the training wheels and after the training wheels. And uh, I mean, seeing the, the upgraded one that Stark offered Peter ah. was just a, <laughs> oh my God, that suit is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'm so excited to see him in it because obviously that, that was a tease. He's going to be in that new suit. Right. Um, you know, we will, I expect we will probably see it. Uh, for Infinity War because they're probably going to have to tie that in with some type of, of survival mechanisms for space or some type of other negative environment. So 
I'm really stoked. Another thing that Robert Downey Jr. being, or Tony Stark being in this movie really adds is that in past iterations, Peter's making his own costume, so he can only do so much. Yeah. But as far as when you bring tech genius Tony Stark into the mix, then you can do so much more, and they had so yeah. much more capability and ability to like really trick that out and give him so much to work with, which is why the juxtaposition of his homemade suit is so perfect. Because then you see, yeah. like, oh, when he does it on his own versus when he's part of a team, which is the whole point of the Avengers and, uh, you yeah. know, expanding universe stuff. So I thought that was, like, a really cool um, sort of way to highlight that was by having oh, yeah. Tony's edition versus his own edition. So I think that's cute and, like, really cool. Well, and I love Tony being the armor for the Avengers. Yeah. You know, I mean, not only does he do his own stuff, he's he's done the Spider-Man uh, outfit. He's done um, uh, uh, Hawkeye's stuff. Yeah. Black Widow's the, probably. The cool arrows and that kind of thing. Yeah, he's probably given Black Widow some gadgets. Um, you know, we, we just see his things all over the place. And I love that. Yeah. Which makes civil. I love that they're infusing tech into this stuff. And and, oh gosh, Falcon. Oh, Falcon. Yes. I mean, hello. I mean, Falcon's just such a cool character anyway, but then, you know, you take those wings and you give that to Tony Stark and Tony Stark says, well, let me tell you what we're going to do with that. (laughs) Right. Now it's this, it, it evolves from the wings to this whole suit and, the drone and all sorts of other stuff. It's like, oh, this is so cool. Well, and, I love it. And Hulkbuster, and then you get into like everything that he does for War Machine and how there's nuances for what War Machine gets to have versus what he gets to have. Yes. Um, which is which makes Civil War even more heartbreaking when the team is sort of like against each other. You know, yeah. It makes it that yeah. much harder because you know how great they are together. Um, yeah, I agree. So the end of the film. Do do what? What are your thoughts on how the film ended? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I liked it because I was like I said, I was worried about killing off the villain, and I'm glad that they didn't because um, that mm-hmm. sets it up for so much in the future. And I think that has been a problem that they've, you know, like they killed off Baron Zemo, and they they've killed off Obadiah, and they killed off like everybody, like everybody except for Loki because and Thanos because you know that those are two big bads that have like the longevity, but everybody else doesn't, and that sort of. That you know that sucks a little bit. Um, so I really like. Oh, 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 what? But but what did we see? What Vulture and his crew using? Not only were they using uh, alien tech, they didn't. They use some piece of Ultron. Oh, probably in one of their weapons. Was it? Uh, was it the alien tech though? A lot of it, most of it was the alien tech, but I'm pretty sure I remember, I remember that they used some piece of Ultron, which means... That's dangerous. Don't do that, Michael Cajun. Exactly. That if one piece of Ultron <gasps> exists, that Ultron is potentially still, uh, quote, alive. Oh. And that makes me really excited because Ultron, yes. I liked Ultron. I'm a big fan. A lot of people didn't like fan. him, but I liked him. I like I James Spader but, as Ult- uh, the voicing Ultron. I oh thought he did gosh, a lot. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah. But oh, I'm I sorry. Didn't know that. So, yeah, continue about your thoughts on the end of the film. Oh well, I just I liked that. Well, that makes that that makes a difference. Like if you if that was I didn't notice that or catch that or read that anywhere, so I missed that 100. percent But I like it a lot. <laughs> 
I hope that's true. Um, yeah, I just really, I really liked the end. I thought they set it up for the future, um, you know, where he's really like, where Tom is, or uh, Peter's like, I really need to focus on being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, like what you said at the beginning, mm-hmm. I need to be that um, and really develop that before I'm able to come be an Avenger, which is, it's out there, so it's going to happen. It's just, it allows Peter to have more of a progression to get there, which I really like, and his characterization and yep. his development as, because he's still in high school, and so, like, yep. uh, yeah, he needs to, like, he needs to get to the point where he's at the Daily Bugle and where he's, you know, all of that mm-hmm. stuff in his own his own origin story, though they're not going to go back and do origin story. There's still pieces that you could pull in that really yeah. add to and flesh out Peter for the sequel, which they've already talked about uh, and confirmed that they're doing. So, um, cause Louise, exactly, yeah, they, Louise Frogley still- is already like going to be the costume designer for that one too. They just, Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, they, they still need to do Peter's development and, and, and I'm good with that. Uh, and Spider-Man is generally very much grounded in New York City. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's his, his home environment. So I'm, I'm totally cool with that. That, you know, he does go work for the, for the Daily Bugle and, and all that good stuff. Um, well, obviously I had my issues with, with the airplane, which is what led us to the end of the movie. Um, one thing that I love that they held true to, which is this, sympathy that Peter Parker has. Yes. And when, you know, this fire and this explosion happened that Vulture got caught up in, Peter ran in and pulled him out. Yeah. It's just that to me. Go ahead. I was just going to say it shows, it shows who, who he is as a person, not just as a hero. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, he, he has this morality to him that we don't always see in a lot of the different heroes and everyone kind of has their own take on it. And, and I love that he did that and I love that they preserve that in this, in this telling of the character. So that was fantastic. And, and the, yeah, very similar to what you said. I, I really appreciate the fact that Vulture lived. Yeah. Um, I hope to see more of him, not only as a character, but also as Michael Keaton playing him. Yes. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the the influence and kind of that persistent threat that he's going to represent to Peter and to Spider-Man because Vulture knows who he is. Yeah. And And that's one of those things that needs to always be there for him. So I think that's pretty neat. Um, they also introduced who's the character that they apparently introduced at the end. Of, that was uh, uh, oh, in the prison, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was going to write it down and I forgot. Oh, our, our listeners are now like yelling at us as they're yeah, they're like, they're it's that guy. Yeah. So we had a, a, a new potential villain introduced there who had been wronged by. Spider-Man and who is, you know, in prison with Vulture. And so there's some potential collusion there, although it certainly seems that Vulture is not going to give up Peter's identity. So, yeah, you know, I thought that was all great. And I love the fact that he did say, yeah, I I need to basically he needs more practice being Spider-Man before he can be Spider-Man. It's Scorpion. Scorpion. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Because the tattoo, he had the tattoo on his neck and, and all that. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be cool to see. I, I think that's, uh, 
I'm looking forward to the the second Spider-Man movie because it seems pretty obvious that that's where they're going to introduce him. Well, and the, a so. lot of the building that of more of the like seminal pieces about part of Peter that we know and love will be probably added in there, which I'm looking forward to. I do, like I said before, I do yeah. sort of hope that they like mention Ben or like deal with Ben somehow because he is mm-hmm. such an important piece of the Spider-Man puzzle. That I True. I get not putting him in there, and I support not putting him in there, but to completely forget him altogether seems seems like a wrong tone for me of, like, who Peter becomes. He's such a huge catalyst for why Peter is who he is, you know? Yeah. So it seems yeah. strange. I mean, unless they're just yeah. taking a completely different version, and if Aunt May was that, was that catalyst somehow, but... It just it seems strange not to have that in there somehow. So I hope they deal at least like, oh, remember Uncle Ben, like <laughs> something like, yeah, some little nod to yeah. the to the the important role that Ben plays in his life and prior to his death. So I don't know that felt that felt strange, and I hope that they deal with it somehow. Um, yeah, they could do some type of flashback, uh, you know, either literal or or <clears throat> you know some type of narrative flashback of of who Uncle Ben was and what he meant to Peter and the lessons that he taught Peter and that kind of stuff. So I, I think there's some potential for that. I, I just don't want to see them rehash no. things again. Like no one needs That's, to, no one needs the scene of like with great power comes great responsibility because we all know it. And so it's yeah. already in our brains. But what if, what if Peter has a decoupaged frame of Uncle Bill, uh, Uncle Ben <laughs> with all different letters making with great power comes great responsibility. Decoupaged. Oh, yes. <laughs> Then it would oh, it would be a, a nod, and we would be like, "Oh, he decoupaged it." <laughs> the pink dye is leaching into your brain from the from the <laughs> special mind of Liz. <laughs> what was the? Yeah. I was just adding something else that I hoped for the future that I forgot. Oh, Spidey sense. Um, a lot of people were upset that there seems to be no Spidey sense, but I saw something that said that it's not out of the question. It just wasn't dealt with. Uh, there is supposed to be something about that. I, I, it apparently appeared, yeah, or was indicated in the yet to be publicly released trailer, Infinity for War, right? That's Infinity right. War that was shown That's what at D twenty three, and I think at San Diego Comic Con. That's right. Um, but has not yet, for some reason, been put out there publicly. So legit, we um, need that now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and maybe even by the time I I get this cut and edited and, and put out there, we might see it. Who knows? Cross the fingers. But um, okay. yeah, there's supposed to be some indication of that. Uh, and, and you know, again, I'm okay with it because I'm good with characters evolving. They shouldn't just show up and say, "Hey, I'm here and I have all these powers." I mean, we've right we've seen evolutions of a lot of our characters. We've you know, we've seen evolutions of Tony Stark as Iron Man, not only because of the suits, but but also because of his mentality and such. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing an evolution of Hulk from this beast with nothing but primal mentality to, uh, you know, what was teased in the, the latest uh, Thor trailer, which is a Hulk that's carrying on a rudimentary conversation with Thor. Right. So 
you know, we, we see evolution. We, we have to see evolutions of these characters. If they were static, it would just be freaking boring. Right. And what's more interesting, and, like Peter waking up with 8,000 powers or at, over time as he's changing as a human because he's a teenager. So there's a lot that comes with that yeah. as he is evolving and growing as a person for his powers to evolve and for new things to pop up. That's even more interesting. Exactly. I like that. Exactly. I support that. I support. Yeah, so do I. So do I. Cool. So before we get to our ratings, um, is there anything else, Liz, that you wanted to, to bring up about Spider-Man Homecoming? No, I think we pretty much covered it all. Did I mention that I liked it? I, <laughs> I, in fact, you said you liked everything. I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did like it. <laughs> so, so tell me how much you liked it. What's what's your rating out of a, a on our ten scale? What's your what's your movie rampage rating? See, you know, I'm bad at this game. I don't know. What did I give Wonder Woman? Like a hundred? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think you did. Yeah. I, I gave it like or like, like 120 or something. Yeah, like I give this one that too. I don't know. I. I, it's hard for me to like pit movies against each other with ratings because I like them for different reasons and I like them equally in some parts and some parts more in other parts less. And so it's really, I don't know how to rate things. I'm really bad at it. Um, so like nine and a half like Jonas just cause I don't know what, what else. Ten? I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> it's a it's pressure. A, I don't know. Well, and in all fairness, it's tough. I, I think we oftentimes have this mentality of when we are fresh out of seeing a movie that we are so excited about it. Right. That we tend to rate it pretty high. And sometimes we got to let time go and maybe we see it another, you know, two or three times and things will then kind of normalize a little bit. So, yeah. I will also say I've only seen it once, which is rare for me, but because so many other movies came out in July and like really the summer yeah. was so, so strong as far as movies go, I, I, that never happens, especially for a Marvel movie. I at least tw- two or three times, I'll see it again yeah. before it, it's not left the theaters yet. I still have time, but that's just yep. super rare for me. So I haven't had a chance to really delve into it on a second viewing, which, um, cements a lot of times like my feelings about it. But I will say that like Star Wars is a 10. That's my barometer. I love Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is a 10. So it's hard for me to give anything a 10 that isn't Star Wars because I love Star Wars more than all the things. So, um, that being said, a nine and a half because that's what Jonas said and I don't know how to read it otherwise. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's what um, I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Cool. Um, nine out of 10. I love the movie. I thought it was fantastic. It, it, takes a lot for a movie. It takes a lot for me for a movie to get to nine. Yeah. Uh, and certainly to push past it, it's, it's gotta be darn near perfect. And, and, um, this really was a fantastic movie in all regards. I love the cast, especially, and I thought it was a great story. Um, so a, a, a nine for me is saying a lot. Well, and that's saying a lot of the things that you didn't like didn't overshadow your love for the movie, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes something will stick in and you'll be like that. I can't let it go. Like that's really it's it's continuing on through the movie. It's, you know, and then Mm -hmm. but for it to be like, yeah, I didn't like it. But whatever. The movie was so strong overall and I really loved it is is good. Yeah, totally agree. So uh, with that, folks, we want to hear what you think about Spider-Man Homecoming. We do. And we want to hear what you think about Movie Rampage. This this is, Liz, this is the end of our first episode. Our first episode. 
episode. We, we never get to have this first episode <gasps> again. This is this such is, a moment. I wish really I was. Is. I wish I had champagne and we could really do it right. <laughs> we. Oh, There's did you make that? Did you do that with your mouth with the like the finger yes. mouth thing? I can't do that. Yeah, I did. That was impressive. <laughs> that that deserved our first episode. Was that? That was perfect. That made me so happy. <laughs> So, yes, folks, definitely uh, please send us your feedback. Uh, One great way of doing so is uh, by email. Email almost seems kind of old school at this point, but it's long form. You can, like, type all sorts of things. Uh, Movie Rampage at randomchatter.com. Again, that's movie rampage at randomchatter.com. That's how you can email us. Taking it back. Early 2000s email. Well, <laughs> if you are one of these newfangled, like, person living in the 2017s, then you can find us on Twitter um, at movie rampage pod. Also, our main, uh, our, our host network, Random Chatter, has a Twitter as well at random chatter. Um, and I am at nerd in the city. Tim, where can we find you on the Twitters? Uh, you can find me at Qui-Gon Tim. That's Tim with two M's. And you can find Jonas at author Jonas Lee dot, uh, not com. Don't put that in there. That's not a thing. Just, <laughs> just at author Jonas Lee. Um, you can tell him that he should stay till the end because it's more fun. Um, <laughs> and then you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash random chatter network, which is again our, our parent company. Uh, or network that we are a part of. And um, you can also find all the rest of our shows at randomchatter.com. Tim and I do the Random Chatter Network podcast, as well as there's a lot of other awesome offerings that you should check out. Tim also does Echo Base, which is a Star Wars podcast. We have TV show podcasts and movie podcasts and interview podcasts and all kinds of things. So if you love podcasts, you should probably find out more about the other ones that we have because we're cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Check it all out. Uh, so we're brand new. We are brand spanking new. We're babies. We, we are, we are. This is, <laughs> this is a baby podcast. It's a baby. We're, we're, we're starting off here from ground zero. Um, we are on our own feed. We are not on the random chatter main feed. We're going to have our own thing here. So please make sure to spread the word about us. Um, we, we obviously want listeners. We want people to, uh, be able to enjoy this and and hear this and um, just simply have a good time and interact with us. So if you are hearing this, please make sure to tell others. You're going to see us on Twitter, uh, particularly really just kind, really trying to kind of spread the word about this. So, um, you know, get folks to come join us here at, at Movie Rampage. Um, subscribe to the feed when it when it comes up and. Um, one thing that certainly helps with that is leaving some reviews. Uh, leave us reviews. I think we're, we're definitely going to be up on iTunes. We should also be on Stitcher. So, you know, give us some stars, all the stars. All and, the stars. Uh, you know, exactly. And write us up some narrative, um, especially since we are brand new. Whatever kind of, you know, narrative that you can put in your review, um, that's going to help kind of draw people to us and figure out what we're about and if people are enjoying us or not. So that's a huge, huge help. Also, overall, if you like things that we're doing here, not just uh, with uh, Movie Rampage, but across all of Random Chatter Network, we definitely appreciate some financial support. Uh, we get that by way of your contributions to Patreon. So you can get us at patreon.com slash random chatter. 
very easy to do. Uh, you go in, you, you know, just like anything nowadays, you go into the website, you create a profile, you throw in a credit card number, and um, you can tell them how much you want to contribute every month. Uh, the minimum is $1 a month. And one dollar a month, quite honestly, gets you the best perk. So here's the thing: you you donate money, and we give you stuff. It's the best um, one. It's the best. It really is. So the one dollar a month perk is uh, access to our Slack channel. And if you listen to any of our other podcasts across Random Chatter, we pretty much mention Slack like all the time. It is um, it, it's a it's basically a chat room. Uh, and actually there's multiple rooms to it. So we have, we do have a room already set up, uh, in there for movie rampage. We have uh room set up for all of our other shows. We have just, you know, a star Wars discussion room. We have one for comics and one for TV and all sorts of other topics. Uh, you get to interact with us. You get to interact with the hosts across all the shows. You get to interact with, uh, our staff and you get to interact with, with other fans and, and, and folks who have contributed, uh, to Patreon. So, uh, that's a huge help. Even just that dollar a month, it helps pay for our server fees and data storage and all that kind of stuff. It, you know, quote, keeps the lights on. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a huge help to us across the entire network. And because we're part of that network, we, we get to benefit from that. So, um, that's a, a great thing. And just, you know, please again, spread the word. We are brand new. Uh, tell your friends about us. Um, it, you can, like Liz said, you can follow us at Movie Rampage Pod, or you can follow us individually on Twitter. You see us tweet something about Movie Rampage, please retweet it and help get the word out there. Um, we we want to gather up a great following of listeners who all love movies, and we want to bring things. We want to talk about things that you want to hear about too. That's important to us because we want to. Yeah, yeah, your feedback is important. Yeah. Also, a little shout out to Bearded Audio, who is providing the music for us on this podcast. So give some Woo-hoo. give some love to. Is that Ian? That's Ian. Ian. Ian at Bearded Audio is awesome. Yeah, thank you, Ian, and thank you to everyone. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Jonas. Uh, Jonas isn't here. Thank you, Phantom. <laughs> thank you, Jonas. Phantam Jonas. <laughs> Yes. He's here in uh, spirit. And thank you to all of our listeners for, again, our, our first episode. It's really exciting. So uh, thanks a lot, and get out to the theaters and watch some films. Yeah, we appreciate your ears. 